Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Did you know that as a believer in Jesus Christ, that he is personally preparing a house for you in heaven? Are you storing up treasures in heaven so that Jesus will have something to furnish your eternal home with? Let's open to John 14 and see what the Lord has for us. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. I hope everyone is is doing well today and uh, just living a, a thankful life in Jesus. Sometimes that's hard. The Bible says to, to give thanks in all circumstances. Sometimes it's hard to be thankful, but we can give thanks. We can be thankful to the Lord uh, believing by faith that whatever circumstances uh, we are in, you know, the Lord is working them for the good in our lives and and for that of others. Today we're going to be we're going to be discussing John 14, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses one through six. One of the most overwhelming verses in the entire Bible is verse six. The consequences of John 14:6 are are so far reaching, they reach all the way into eternity and back. Really, really everything in the world revolves around the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6. It is among the single most important verses in all the Bible, and it's the single most important thing for you to know and for me to know and for us to, to stand on to believe in, and to hold on to with all our might. So amazing verses. We're going to go ahead and read it. It's six verses, and then we'll get rolling. Father, we do thank you for this time. We thank you for the living word of God. And Father, we thank you for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King and God and friend. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now. We ask you to to open the scriptures to us. Lord Jesus, we ask you to give us eyes that see now and ears that hear that we might truly come to know and comprehend your word here in John 14. We commit this time into your hands, Father, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Verse one, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We always ask ourselves, 
The first question is, why is this in the Bible? Why did the Holy Spirit choose to make this scripture? Remember, the Bible is the living word of God. When you read this, you're actually reading the word of God, not the word of people, not the word of man, not the word of woman, um, but the very word of God. And uh, Romans 15, 4 tells us that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, not just to, to tell us a good story, not just so we, you know, we have this, you know, this interesting insight into the into what happened back in Jesus' day, but it's here to, to teach us something, to instruct us. It's an example to us. The reason we know this is uh, Hebrews 13.8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what Jesus says to these people, he's saying to you and me. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's our Savior. He's our God. He's our King. And, you know, he's not whimsical. He doesn't think, well, maybe I'll do this today. Maybe I'll do this tomorrow. He's not like, you know, we can be. He's not fickle, Scott. So verse one, do not let your hearts be troubled. Probably the, the biggest, most consistent problem in our lives is our hearts are troubled about one thing or another. All of us have various different problems, uh, various different difficulties, frustrations, irritations, and they can be uh, relationally with different people. They can be financially, we can be struggling. Certainly, we our hearts are troubled uh, emotionally. We're consistently having problems. Physically, we could, uh, we could be going through physical hardship, physical difficulties, health issues. And yet here Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And that's hard, right? I mean, it's just, he says it. He gives us this simple line. It's, a, it's one sentence in your Bible from Jesus. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Uh, what is that? Eight words? Do not let your four hearts be troubled. Seven words. And, uh, and yet, seemingly, there's some of the hardest seven words that seemingly it's almost impossible for us to live by. But he tells us to not let our hearts be troubled. Uh, Lord Jesus, I, I ask you to help us. I ask you to show us, help us to, to follow and do as you've told us to do here, Lord. Um, Father, I confess that I, I, I don't do this very well, that often my heart is troubled. And Lord, uh, we thank you that it's, it's uh, your will that our, that our hearts not be troubled. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. So, I mean, you do trust that there is a God, that God is real and that he does love you, that he's all powerful, that he's all knowing, that he's everywhere, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. And you need to trust, number one, that there truly is a God. And he's aware of your life. He knows who you are. So number one, you do trust in God. But you notice he says, trust also in me. The two have to go together. You cannot trust in God without also trusting in Jesus. They always go together. 
You cannot separate yourself in any way from Jesus Christ and still be in community and unity with God the Father. They always go hand in hand. That's why every human being needs Jesus. You need to trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, for the salvation of your soul. You need to trust in Jesus Christ for every detail of your life. Uh, Jesus is God. So when you're trusting in Jesus, you are trusting in God. And uh, we, won't, we won't get to this today, but if you look down to verse 8, uh, Philip asked Jesus, he says, Lord, show us the Father. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? You know, I've been with you so long. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And he's going to go on to say that he and the Father uh, are one. And so to trust in God means that you are trusting in Jesus Christ. Only in trusting in Jesus Christ and relying on Jesus Christ, beginning with the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, and then going on to trust him for every aspect of your life. I've said this many times that the biblical God is a trinity. He's a triune God. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are three distinct eternal beings. And all of them are God. All of them are all-powerful, all-knowing, and, and everywhere. Uh, omnipresent. By trusting in Jesus Christ, by knowing that God the Father knows your situation, knows what's going on, and in Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ, you have relationship with God the Father. Uh, there is a God. But anyone who does not know Jesus Christ as their only Lord and Savior, God is not their Father. If you do not know God the Father as your Father in Jesus Christ, then unfortunately God the Father is not your Heavenly Father. He is your, he's your judge. But in Jesus Christ, and only in Jesus Christ, as he says in verse 6, you come into relationship with God the Father, and he becomes your, your heavenly father. He really is your father, and you can trust him in and through Jesus Christ for, for all the, the difficulties that are going on in your life and in my life. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Now, it is interesting to note that he puts himself right there with God. And this is just another sign that Jesus Christ is God. I mean, who would ever say such a thing? Try to imagine anyone that would say this. It's a near, it's near insanity to say it, right? To say trust in God and then to put yourself in the same sentence. What rational thinking person could ever say such a thing and have it not be just, just beyond absurd? But Jesus does, because Jesus is God. Jesus can say, trust in God, trust also in me. 
Again, he puts himself right there, equal with God, because he is God. In uh, chapter 8 of this book of John, Jesus makes this incredible claim. They're very angry with him, and he says, Before Abraham was, I am. And you remember in the Old Testament, God told Moses, I am who I am. And he was saying, I am God. Because they were saying, you're not even 50 years old, and yet you've seen Abraham. And Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. And the people went to pick up stones to kill him. But it wasn't his time to die, so he was able just to walk away. Um, trust in God, trust also in me. Again, only in Jesus Christ do you have any community, any relationship with God. So the goal of your life is to grow, and my life is to grow in our relationship with Jesus. Moment by moment, day by day, growing to know Jesus. Because again, when we see Jesus, remember verse 9 of this very chapter, Jesus says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. When you look at Jesus... Jesus is the representation of God the Father. Verse 2, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. He's talking about heaven here. And we see that, that heaven is a real place. And he says are, are many rooms. And in verse 3, he's saying he's going to prepare a place for you. Um, so we see that that you are going to have a dwelling in heaven. Now, we're not told exactly how it will be, but we see that, that, that Jesus says he's personally preparing it, which is in itself a, an amazing thing. Now, what is he preparing your heavenly dwelling with would be the question, right? And we'll get to that. But first is, in my, my father's house are many rooms. So you will have a particular dwelling in heaven where you will be immortal and, you know, where you will have a, a home, so to speak. And then Jesus says this incredible thing. He says, if it were not so, I would have told you. If any of this wasn't true, if the whole God and heaven and hell, and eternity, and going to heaven in Jesus Christ wasn't true. Jesus said, I would have told you. And what we need to see here is that Jesus is saying to you and saying to me, if anything wasn't true, he would have told you. If, if God wasn't real, Jesus would have told you. If Jesus wasn't the solution to all humanity's sin, he would have told you. Jesus would not mislead you. If it were not so, verse 2, I would have told you. Jesus is saying that you can fully trust me, that everything you've come to believe, uh, following Jesus, growing to know Jesus, growing to obey Jesus, giving your life to Jesus, which is all that life is about, that is the meaning of life. And Jesus is saying, if anything were not so, actually he says it, if it were not so, if there was no heaven, he says, in my father's house are many rooms. You will have a place in heaven. He is preparing it for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. Jesus Christ would have told you, would have told me, would have told the world 
if anything was not true. We know that everything he has told us is true and we can believe it completely and totally because if it wasn't true, he would have told us. And, and, and just get that picture of Jesus. He's our Lord, our master, our savior, our king. He loves us. He would never, ever, ever mislead us in any manner or in any way. So when we hear his words, they are the absolute truth. And we're going to talk about that a little more in verse 6. If it were not so, I would have told you. He goes on to say, I am going there to prepare a place for you. So if you're in Jesus Christ today and you know him personally as your Lord and Savior, which is to say you're currently trusting in him alone to save you from your sin, you have at some point called on Jesus and prayed and asked him to come into your heart. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to save me from my sin. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I place all my faith and trust and confidence in you alone, Jesus, to save me. And to be my everlasting Lord and God. If you're in Christ and that's something you have prayed to receive Jesus and you're a Christian today, he's going to prepare a place for you. Now, what is he using to prepare that place? What he's using is what you are sending up ahead of your coming. You're not in heaven yet. Do you remember when Jesus said, do not store up treasures on earth in Matthew 6, but treasures in heaven? Whatever treasure you're storing up in heaven, whatever fruit you're bearing for the kingdom of God is what Jesus will use to enhance your heavenly dwelling. So we're talking about your reward in heaven here. Your reward in heaven is different than going to heaven. As I've already said, you go to heaven by trusting in what Jesus has done, by relying on what Jesus has done, by putting your faith completely and totally in what Jesus has done and receiving him as your Lord and Savior, not trusting at all in anything you have done. Nothing you or I have done can help to save us. The best five minutes I live would send me right to hell. I go to heaven by totally and completely relying on Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins and the salvation of my soul. It's the same as I come into relationship with God the Father as my heavenly Father only through Jesus Christ and by trusting in him. Now, the result of these things, after you've become a Christian, how you spend your life storing up treasures in heaven will determine the extent of your existence in heaven. What I mean by the extent, it will, the, uh, not everyone will have the same reward in heaven. Not everyone will have the same rooms in heaven. Other version says are, are mansions in heaven. So depending on how you live your life for Jesus Christ in this life, depending on how much fruit you bear for the kingdom of God, depending on how you work to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ and support the work of the kingdom of God with your time, your talents, and your money. That's going to determine the quality of reward or the quality of your existence in heaven. Now, just to be in heaven will be amazing, right? Uh, you'll be eternally at peace. There'll be no dissatisfaction. There'll be no sin there. Um, you won't be disappointed. 
but how you experience heaven, the position you'll have in heaven. We're going to have jobs in heaven. All of that will be determined and is determined on how you live for Jesus in this life. And again, what I said is how you spend your time, your talents, and your treasure, your money. For most Christians, like most people, we spend the vast majority of our time in, in service to ourselves and our lives and you know our families. And the talents that we have, the, the gifts and talents Jesus has given us, we spend the majority of those in, again, in service to ourselves and our desires and our wants. You know, we've been given gifts and talents and we use them for advancement in the workplace, but you're also supposed to be using these increasingly to advance the kingdom of God, to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then, of course, your money. How much of your money do you use in service to yourself and your family and your needs? And how much do you, do you use in the advancement of the kingdom of God? How much do you give to the gospel of Jesus Christ? All of these things will determine the kind of place that Jesus can prepare for you. He's there and he's putting it together, but we have to, you know, we have to give him the material, so to speak. Verse three. And if I go and prepare a place for you, which he just said he's doing, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. The great joy of heaven is that we get to be with Jesus, right? When Jesus comes back, the call of our lives should become Lord Jesus. If you could have any one prayer answered in your life, if someone ever asked you, you know, if you could have any one prayer answered, the greatest prayer that could be answered is come Lord Jesus. Because when Jesus comes, everything that's, that's out of place in this world will be put right. When Jesus comes, there will not be any more problems. When Jesus comes, all evil will be vanquished. When Jesus comes, he'll bring order to this tremendous disorder that we find not only in our own lives, but just, just everywhere, right? Just every aspect of the world that's wrong. Just all the things that are out of place, including sickness and disease, you know, Jesus will, will make it all right. You know, the Bible ends in Revelation 22 with the Apostle John before his, his final words. He says, come, Lord Jesus. Then he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. But the Bible ends with, with John saying, come, Lord Jesus. And he, did, he says here, he's preparing a place and I'll come back and take you to be with me. All of us. As genuine Christians, we will either go to be with Jesus at our death or he will come to us and take us with him. Come, Lord Jesus. The joy of heaven, again, is that you get to be with Jesus. And Jesus is excited to be with you and to be with us. And there will be joys unspeakable. It'll never get boring. I had an old friend, uh, Pete, I've talked to him many, many, many years, but he used to say, you know, after, after 10,000 years, Jesus is going to say, hey, Tom, I ever show you this? 
And he's going to pull back the curtain. You're going to be like, whoa, man, it's going to be incredible, right? We are going to be with Jesus. In verse 4, he says, you know the way to the place where I am going. If you know Jesus Christ today, you know the way to the place. He's going to be with his Father, with our Heavenly Father, and we know the way. The way to heaven is through Jesus Christ and only in Jesus Christ. I'll say again, it doesn't matter what religion you are in the world. You need Jesus. Only in Jesus Christ can you go be with God the Father in heaven. Without Jesus Christ, no one will see heaven. That's why he gave his life for us. That's why he lived for us, because every human being needs him. Verse 4, you know the way to the place where I am going. Now, it's interesting because obviously here in verse 5, Thomas, just like all of us would have been, we get confused because Thomas is always thinking about the natural. Jesus is talking about heaven, uh, an eternal place, an immortal place, a spiritual place. place. And uh, Jesus is talking about the spiritual. And Thomas, as, as I generally am, I'm thinking about the natural. Verse 5, look what he says. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? So, you know, when Jesus says, you know the way to the place I am going, Th Thomas is trying to think like some physical place. Thomas thinks Jesus is talking about, you know, going someplace down the road. And Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Thomas, again, is looking for some physical place like Jesus is, is speaking about taking a trip down the road somewhere, five, ten miles away or whatever it is, right? But Jesus is not talking about a physical location. He's talking about heaven. He's talking about an eternal location. So Thomas doesn't understand, but, but you got to appreciate Thomas willing to speak up because when we get to verse 6 here, and I'll say again, there's no more important verse in the Bible. They're all important. But the, the weight of verse 6 cannot be overstated. But if not for Thomas, if not for Thomas being willing to speak up and share with Jesus his confusion, we don't have verse 6. We have verse 6 because Thomas is willing to say with Jesus to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Because Thomas says that, and sometimes, you know, you, you have to be willing to go to Jesus and talk to him and cry out to him and, and talk to him about the confusing things in your life. And you may not understand his answer, but look at the, look at this answer Jesus gives him. Because Thomas says to him, remember in verse four, Jesus says, you know the way to the place where I am coming, going, you know me. You know that it's only through me that you come to the Father. Thomas doesn't understand what he's saying. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Verse 6, here we go. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. Now let the weight of that sink in for a second. That's John 14, verse 6. It says, Jesus answered Thomas. Okay? So like I said, it's because Thomas is willing to talk to Jesus about his confusion that we have this answer. And we need to talk to Jesus more and more and more and more when we're troubled. Right? Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Because he, it's clearly he could see on them that they're, they're troubled about some things. They don't understand some things. And out of that, Thomas asked this question. This is the same Thomas, by the way, that gets the, the bad rap for doubting Thomas. But here, it's because Thomas asked this that we have this incredible, famous verse. And, and look at the weight and the magnitude of this verse. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's not ambiguous. That's as clear a statement as there has ever been made as to why every human being needs Jesus. Now, different parts of the Bible say it in different ways. This is Jesus himself out of his very mouth. No one comes to the Father except through me. So let there be no doubt in your mind that without a relationship with Jesus Christ, without receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you cannot go to heaven. No one can come to God the Father in any manner or in any way except through Jesus. No one can have their sins forgiven except through Jesus. There is no way to the Father this is Jesus' words, verse 6. No one comes to the Father except through me. Have you received Jesus as your Savior? Have you come into relationship with God the Father as your heavenly Father? Through Jesus Christ is the only way. Again, doesn't matter what any religion we are. Doesn't matter whether you're Christian, whether you're Jewish, whether you're Muslim, whether you're Hindu, uh, whether you're a New Age religion. It doesn't matter. Whatever you are, no one comes to the Father except through me. You need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Those words are out of his mouth. And he just said in verse 2, if it were not so, I would have told you. So he's telling you that it's only in Jesus that you have any relationship with the Father. It's only in Jesus you grow in relationship with the Father. It's only in Jesus that, that really we have anything. There is no value in life outside of Jesus whatsoever. America has no value without Jesus. Israel has no value without Jesus. It's only in Jesus is there any meaning in anything, in any country, anywhere in the world. Because it's only in Jesus that we can come to know God the Father as our Heavenly Father. Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and Master and God and King and Husband. We're the Bride of Christ. It's only in Jesus that the Holy Spirit becomes our guide and comfort. It's only in Jesus that we have anything to do with anything. That's the consequence of this incredible verse. He gives us three things. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. I am. 
There's that famous I am. Remember God said to Moses in the Old Testament, I am? Well, that's Jesus. Jesus answered, I am. First of all, he's the way, as I've already said, he's the only way to God the Father. He's the only way for you to have peace in your life. He's the only way for you to have any meaningful meaning of any sort in your life. Jesus is the only way. And the most, the biggest priority, he's the only way to have your sins forgiven and your only way to come to God the Father as your heavenly Father. Jesus Christ is the only way in your life. Hence why he answers Thomas the way he does. Thomas said, you don't know the way. Jesus said, I am the way. The way to what? The way to everything. The answer is Jesus. That's what I said to you last time, Abe. When the lady comes in and she and they and they and they hold up the, the the drink and the straw for you to drink, when you get your drink, say Jesus. And they say, excuse me, just say Jesus. And then just keep saying Jesus and more Jesus. That's all that really matters at the end of the day. I am the way. And he said, I am the truth. All truth of any kind starts with Jesus Christ and it ends with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the truth about everything. His words are true. And, 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 and he says here, if it were not so, I would have told you. Jesus is going to tell you the truth. The truth is in Jesus Christ. To really have any meaningful truth in your life, it has to come through Jesus. He is the truth, the ultimate truth of all things. There is no truth without Jesus. And he's the life. If you want to have any meaning in life, you want to have obviously any eternal life, it's going to be in Jesus. But any quality in your life is going to come in and through Jesus Christ. He is the life. Of all things, Jesus is your life. I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is the beginning. Jesus is the middle. And Jesus is the end. Jesus is everything, Stephen. And really, we, we want to, to, to begin to increasingly live our lives with that focus. Jesus is the beginning, Jesus is the middle, and Jesus is the end. He is the way to everything. He is the truth in everything. And he is the real life in everything. I said last time in John 10.10, Jesus said, I've come that you have life and have it abundantly. If you want to have an abundant life of true meaning, it can only come in Jesus. Mm. Well, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for the living word of God in our lives. Lord Jesus, we do proclaim that you are the way and the truth and the life. And Lord, we know that no one comes to the Father except through you. Lord, I ask you to help us with the troubles of our heart, Lord. Help us to trust in you, Father, to trust in God, but also to trust in you, Jesus. Lord, uh, forgive us where we try to separate 
um, separate God from you, Lord, where we know that it's when we've seen you, Lord Jesus, we've seen the Father. And Lord, we do ask you to give us eyes that see you and ears that hear you. Lord Jesus, ask uh, we ask you to help us to store up treasure in heaven. Help us to use our time, talents, and treasures, Lord, um, you know, and, and to send up treasure to heaven, Lord, for the for the place that you're preparing for us. We thank you, Lord, that that you would have told us, Lord, if anything isn't true. We thank you, Lord, that we would that we can have confidence that if anything wasn't right, if anything wasn't true, if anything weren't so, then you would have told us, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that we have the truth in you, in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you're preparing a place for us, Lord, and we do look forward to your coming. Lord Jesus, the cry of our heart is that you would come, Lord Jesus. Father, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org.